Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you this morning. Morning. How are you? I'm. I am doing all right. Um, Big day today. Yes, we have a challenging topic today, um, and it's challenging enough to where we were thinking we would do this topic today. And as we got into it, we're thinking, well, you know, this may be. We may have to spread this out over a couple of weeks because we're going to talk about some new decisions that were made here in, in our state um, and, and many other states around the country are, are looking at similar systems. Um, but back in March, you know, last month, a uh, the Florida House passed a resolution um, looking at school vouchers. And now this is not a political podcast. Ours is not a political podcast, but this is an important topic for us to talk about because this directly affects students and it affects families. And I think that it is really important for us to talk about it because it ha- it does in many ways have a very direct impact on the lives of, of kids. And in this, in this age where we're arguing and debating over, you know, um, who should be able to participate in sports and, um, you know, what we're teaching in schools as far as, you know, critical race theory and, and social emotional learning and all these other things. We have these kinds of things that are happening that, you know, certainly have a direct effect on the everyday life uh, of students. Um, and, and so we, we really have to spend some time talking about it. Right. Yeah. This, this whole idea of vouchers, um, the idea is very simple that, well, the idea is simple. Each student, the state of Florida gives gives money for each student, mm-hmm. and that's and, and so you take the number of students and cost this much money to educate a student, and that determines what your state budget is. The idea with a voucher is rather than giving, we'll take the money that would typically go to a school. If my child is in a school. Instead of giving the money to the school, you give the money to the parent in the form of a voucher, and then the parent can take that money and go to whatever school seems right. best suited for their child. So you're, the voucher is like a check. It's like a, a, a amount of money that a parent can then go and, and spend that money in whatever school seems to be the best fit for, for that child. Okay. Right. So, and the idea is from this legislation is that and, and the way it reads, and I quote from the from the bill, the student is a resident of this state and is eligible to enroll in kindergarten through grade 12 in a public school in the state. So in other words, every child in Florida would right. qualify to get a voucher. Okay? Right. And so we have, and we're going to go through these numbers because what's when when we read this bill, the first question that comes to mind is that if all 3 million kids take the voucher and take the money, then where do they go and where does that money go and what happens to the schools that they're taking the money from? Right. So a lot, it, it creates a lot of questions. And I think we ought to, we ought to, we ought to ask those very difficult questions. Sounds good on the surface. What people are, what people are saying is, well, this will give parents a choice and this will create competition and this will help uh, improve education. It, it may or may not, but let's just look at the numbers. So today, what we want to do is just look at the numbers. Do, do the numbers add up in a sense? Yeah, and and we we need to acknowledge at the outset that 
depending on where you look, the numbers you get are going to be a little bit different. Um, and, that was shocking. I, I don't, it, it seems as though this would be something where it's like, no, this is exactly how much money we spend on this. And this is exactly how much money we spend on that. But um, it doesn't seem to be that uh, black and white. So the way that it looks now, and, and maybe we can start with what the um, overall school budget for right. Florida is. Um, the, the way that it reads, from what we can tell, is that the, the current uh, budget for K-12 schools is uh, $24.3 billion. Right. Sounds like a ton of money, right? Right. Um, but as you break it down, there's, um, you know, when you, you start thinking about, as you said, the number of students, K-12 students in, in the state, and how many of those go to public schools versus how many of those go to private schools. Right. And as you break it down, students, um, each school gets about um, $8,142 per student. That's right. about what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what the state of Florida will give to your child's school to educate him for that year. Now, right. there are other monies that get added to that, a couple couple thousand more. So the total is around $10,000. But the state of Florida will will give your school $8,142.85. Right. On average. On average. So, now, now, and what, the reason we say on average is because some students – get a little bit more because if they have uh, an IEP or, or they have some special needs, the school will get some extra funding for that because they'll need specialized education or specialized care while they're at school. But on right. average, it's that 8142 number. Mm-hmm. The voucher that um, is has been approved is for $8,000. And so it's relatively comparable. Right. Now, the $8,000 is you know, we're going to, we're going to allocate $8,142. So the legislature said, okay, we'll make the voucher worth $8,000, just a round round number. Okay. And so in the state of Florida, in K-12, there are 2.91 million in public schools and about 471,000 in private schools. So a total of about 3.38 million students in the state of Florida. So the the first question that popped into my mind when I heard about vouchers is, let's do the math. If if every student asked for the voucher, Mm -hmm. so 3 million students approximately ask and say, I want my voucher, they would take 24, that would take $24 billion. Right. I mean, the simple math, mm-hmm. 3 million students times $8,000 is $24 billion. Right. Well, you just said that the total budget is $24.3 billion. Right. So, so the so, simple math creates a question. Right. The simple math says that if all the students take the voucher, the school system is left with no money. Um, okay. And, and perhaps that makes sense because what they're saying is that, okay, well, then if all the students take the vouchers, then either that money will go back into whatever school they're going to, or um, if they don't go to another school, if they all go to private schools in some imaginary system that where yeah. there's that many private schools, then there wouldn't be a public school education system anyways, because there'd be no students there. So 
Okay, so so those numbers match. Right. However, there are, I think, a a couple of concerns that we really want to focus on today because um, there, there are these other consequences and other factors that don't seem to have been taken into consideration or, or I, I think you said at, at the outset that you know it, it, some of this looks really good as headlines because it says, you know, parents have a choice. Um, and, and if I really want to say something super controversial, um, I'll say, you know, most parents, most parents don't know enough about what happens in school and what needs to happen in school to even know what the best choice is for their kids. Right. Right. Now that's that, that's going to make some people like swerve their car while they're driving that, but it, but it's true. Most parents rely on appropriately so. I, I know that I did, you know, before I got into the system. Um, most parents rely on the school system to make the best decisions for their for their kids because that's their expertise. Just like when they go to their pediatrician, they make they let their pediatrician be the expert and make the decisions. Most parents allow the schools to do that. Right. So, you know, to say, well, my kid would do better at this school versus this school, really, that's just based on, um, well, I heard that students don't get in as much trouble there, or that school has a better grade, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Um, yeah. and, well, it's a whole other podcast to talk about those well, kinds of statistics. But you, but you, you, you raise it, the, uh, the other point, and that is that, okay, so we have these numbers that don't make sense yet. Okay, they, they might eventually. And again, we're not being critical. We're not, you know, criticizing this thing. We're just saying that that if all the students take their money, that's the entire state budget. So that that's one question. My second question is: so now I'm a parent and I have my eight thousand dollars. So I have my I have my voucher here. I got my voucher and I'm gonna go school shopping. I, I got eight thousand dollars here and I'm gonna go school shopping. Okay. How would that work? So, so now we have, so we go from the entire state budget to a single family looking for um, a school. So I'm going to go school shopping. Okay. In our county, we have presumably parents are going to look for the best school Mm -hmm. uh, for their child. Now, how they define best has a lot of different factors, but Let's 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 use a language that all of us have come to understand. Everybody's going to look for an A school. That's what we look for. I'm gonna I'm gonna find an A school, whatever whatever A school is. I want to find an A school. Presumably, an A school is a good school. Okay. Now, when we talk about a good school, when we talk about an A school, there are two definitions. The official definition of an A school is done with a very complicated formula by educational administrators. And it's based on test scores and graduation rates and office referrals and discipline problems and um, all those sorts of things. Okay, so you you have this complicated formula and it said you're an A school um, and you're a C school. So presumably an A school is better than a C school. That's right. the official designation. But as you suggested, there's an unofficial designation. And, and that's what, that's sort of, what parents talk about among themselves. You know, right. well, I heard that, that this school is really good. I heard that this school does this. And I heard that, and parents talk about this. A school, I want my child to attend because the environment is conducive to learning. 
It's safe and clean. Right. There are no serious behavior problems. And my child will get a good education. I don't know exactly what that means yet. But so we have in mind that there are really good schools, high performing schools, and they're really poor or poorly performing schools. Okay. Right. right. Now, in our county, that already exists. Right. I mean, they're already rated A through F. Right. That already exists. There, there's already the grades and, and there's already the magnet and charter school system um, where you have these magnet schools who outperform, for, for lack of a better phrase, they outperform many of the non-magnet schools and similar with, with some of the charter schools, not, not all of the charter schools, because right. some of the charter schools are designed for students with special needs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um but the idea behind a lot of that is, you know, if we make these model schools, if we make these schools that um, are, are really strong, it will attract or, you know, serve as a magnet. It will attract strong students from from all over so that you can have, you know, these really strong students coming into areas that maybe have maybe have stru- have a history of struggling with poverty and, and lack of resources and things like that. And so parents will drive across town, you know, they'll, they'll transport their kids, you know, 30 minutes in the morning to get them to these magnet schools because those schools are, you know, are, are designed intentionally to be stronger. And, and so they, they have a like a lottery system that mm-hmm. one would use to determine whether or not a student can go to that school. That's right. And that to me is is the problem. Uh, when I first came here, I came in here in 2001. I didn't understand this whole magnet school system. People talked about it and said, you have to put your children, my children were in elementary school then, and you have to put your children on the list. And I, I couldn't understand because in all my other educational experiences, our children went to whatever school was in our neighborhood. You right. went to what, what is called a zone school or a neighborhood school. And that's how I went to school. You know, we lived here. This is where you went to school. Um, that I think that's what you did, wasn't it? I mean, even, even a generation later. Um, and so you went to the school in your neighborhood. I came to Florida. I came to Lakeland, uh, Polk County. And all of a sudden, people were telling me, well, you have to put your children on a list. And the list was like a lottery. Um, I mean, you 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 might be selected to go to this really good school. And, you, and I thought, well, that's sort of confusing that you have to put yourself you have to put your kids into a lottery, and that happens all over the country. Uh, there was a there was a great show years ago about kids in New York City, mm-hmm. and if you didn't get if you didn't if your number didn't come up, um, you then had to go back to your neighborhood school. So right. so school districts around the country created these very high performing magnet schools to attract families, um, but only a certain percentage of kids could go there. Because there was a limited number of seats. Right. And and so if, if you look at like Florida, you know, despite Florida being one of the wealthiest states, um, yeah. there, there are only so many A schools. There are only so many seats um, it, that, you know, that a, that a student can put their name in for. And right. so, you know, in, in a in a in a county uh, or, or state with, you know, about three million public education students who go to public education. Um, you're left with, you know, you, you have a, a small fraction of them that are going to be able to attend these schools because there's only so many desks in those schools. 
That's right, because in our county, we have, I think we still have around 100,000 students, K-12 students in Polk County. Maybe it's a little bit more now, but it's around 120,000, I think. Um, let's say half of them, let's say a third of them are elementary school students. So that would be about 40,000 kids. You don't have 40,000 places right. in these magnet schools. Right. You have, you just have a few places. And if you're lucky enough to get in, then you get to go to a good school. But if you're not lucky enough to get in, then you have to go to the zone schools. And the zone schools just can't perform at that level. They're not, they're not structured to perform at that level. They weren't designed. The magnet schools were designed to be high-performing schools. So the kids who attend those magnet schools are achieving at or near or above grade level and they can they can behave they're, right. they're create if you create behavior problems in a magnet school you're not going to be there very long because right. the school can't tolerate all that disruption if they're going to be in a school they right. they have to they have to control the behavior well they do that by removing the students or counseling out the students who can't self-regulate who can't behave because we, we can't have any distractions those kids go to a zone school the zone school doesn't have that option right you, you can't just you can't just pass them on to somebody else you have to figure out a way to deal with those kids so right. you have two, you have two systems you have a magnet school system and some charter schools not all charter schools but some charter schools so you have magnet schools and then you have all the other schools right right so we call that you and I refer to that as a two-tiered system right one of privilege and one of of challenges right and and, and you know Many parents, and I don't blame them, you know, work really hard to try to get their kids on the the, the lottery list as, as soon as they can um, because they know that this this dichotomy really exists. And and what happens and what we worry about with, the you know, taking you back to the voucher system is that, you know, the more students who have the opportunity to leave a school, you know, for what they what they deem a better school or a more appropriate school. The, schools do really well when there's a great when, when there's a high level of variability, you know, um, and, and that's the case with with everything. You know, if, if we talk about um, in many in many circumstances, we talk about, you know, it's the differences between us that make make things more interesting and, and make things better, because since you're very different than me, you know, when we sit down and we try to figure out a problem, you're going to come at it from a very different perspective than I would. And so we have a higher likelihood of solving the problem. Um, in schools, it's very similar. The more variability in the school, the better. So when you have really strong students sitting in the same classroom with students who are struggling, the overall comes up. And the research has demonstrated this for, for decades that... Right. The stronger students get stronger and the weaker students get stronger. Everyone improves when you're in an environment that has a lot of variability. Right. Yeah. The unfortunate unfortunate situation here is that those really strong students are now being siphoned away from schools, the the regular zone schools. And what's left are, you know, there there are still strong students, but the, the percentage of strong students are fewer Right. So it's becoming disproportionately students who are struggling in other ways, whether it's academic or behavioral. Right. And so everything gets skewed more into that direction. And so right. the, the zone schools tend to struggle more than they would otherwise. If, if all of those really strong students from the magnet schools came back to their zone school, 
things would balance out a little bit more, but that's not the world we're living in right now. Right. What when I came to Polk County when when I first heard about the system, I said, "Wait a minute, guys, just slow down a minute." And what what happened was exactly what was predicted. In this county, over the past thirty years, we have created private schools, magnet schools, and charter schools, and those schools have siphoned off the highest achieving students. Right. And the students who can behave. It's always two things. It's achievement and behavior. Right. And those kids are going to private schools, parochial schools, some are being homeschooled, magnet schools. So you take these highest achieving students and you take them out and you put them into these academies. What is left behind are the students who are underachieving and who can't behave. I mean, in, inevitably, if we keep creating elite academies, what you're going to have is a system of elite academies for high achieving, well-behaved students. And you're gonna have these other places, I'm not even sure I'd call them schools, for all the kids who can't behave, mm-hmm. who have no, when, when, I was, when I was a student and a teacher, we always had high achieving students, middle achieving students, low achieving students. But the high achieving students served as examples, mm-hmm. whether it's behavior or learning, for everybody else. You, oh, that's what I have to be like. That that's what I'm expected to be. If I'm in a classroom of all low achieving students, if I'm in the bottom group day after day after day, that becomes the standard. Right. That's what's happening. Is we have that's what an F school is. An F school, and we have them, and we have D schools, those schools are are filled with kids who aren't achieving and aren't behaving. I mean, it's an inevitable, it's an inevitability. You you can't do anything else. If you keep creating elite academies, you're going to leave behind the kids who can't go to the elite academies. No, no magnet school wants to go. We'll, we'll get into the competition issue later, but but it, you can see, you can imagine. If you take all the best, all the highest achieving mm-hmm. elementary school students, put them in academies, what's going to be left? What are the other elementary schools going to look like? Right. And so, so once we, and that's the system that we currently have. And so if you, if you expand that to include now this voucher system, the, the fear that I think we have is that that's going to increase because now you have, okay, yeah, they can't go to the magnet school, but, you know, that school over there, you know, is in a different area of town or mm-hmm. it's in, um, you know, they have a different administration or something. And right. so there, that's going to, that's a better school. So we're right. going to, we're going to take the voucher and we're going to move our kid there. Mm-hmm. And so again, we make sure we may be expanding that, that the tiers a little bit, but we're still left with two tiers we're still left with school schools that people would um, parents would prefer to send their kids to and schools that are going to struggle that's right because they don't have the the resources and and let's be honest the more students that leave a school it's just the numbers the more students that leave the school the less money 
the less resources that school is going to have. And so the students that are left are going to continue to struggle even more because they have fewer resources. Right. So the voucher system is going to perpetuate this two-tiered system, okay? Uh, The people who can use the voucher successfully versus those who don't. Either they don't know about it or they can't do anything about it. Let's take, let's give you a very specific example. Let's say you have an underperforming school in your county and it has 800 students in it. Let's say half those parents say, I want to get out of this school. I've had it. I want to get out of here. So half the parents take their $8,000 and they go school shopping. Okay. First of all, where are those 400 students going to go? Is there a, is there a seat at the A school? Because presumably they're going to shop for A schools. Is there a seat available? Now that's number one. Do, do we have enough A school places to absorb all the parents who now have their $8,000 voucher. The second thing that happens is as those 400 students leave their school, all the money goes with them. The budget can't support the school, so that school is going to close. Now you have the 400 who were left there, and they're looking for places to go, so they have their vouchers. Okay, We don't have enough places in a schools and now we're going to have 800 kids that's just one school we're going to have 800 kids looking for play and those 800 places don't exist because these good schools already have waiting lists right even with vouchers they already have waiting lists you say well they can go to private schools yeah you can go to private schools tuition is fifteen thousand dollars a year so here's my eight how many how many families have can come up with the other seven or eight thousand dollars for the difference in tuition okay so there's no simple solution for this, but two problems are being created. One is we don't have, we don't have enough places for all the kids who may want to move. And second, as kids leave schools, those schools are going to close, creating yet more students looking for a limited number of spaces. Right. Yeah. I, I, the, the way that, you know, as we have sort of rationalized through some of this, this, this type of voucher system would work really well in a system where all the schools were created equal, where where all the schools had enough teachers, had enough resources to where, you know, sure, this school may have a really great culinary program and this school may have a really great football program and this school may have a really great, you know, IT type of program or STEM program. And so if your kid is really into that stuff, then they might go to one of those different schools. But on the, uh, you know, on the bottom line is, is that, all of the schools are balanced as it relates to, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of education, what kind of resources they have. The, the, the problem is, is that it's not in any way even close to that. The, the in, you know, I, we're, we're already, you know, trying to wrap up for this week's podcast uh, because we're, we're, we're trying to keep it the time, uh, be mindful of the time. But my goodness, we haven't even gotten into the issue of, um, you know, what happens when a parent decides to move the child mid 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 year? You know, yep. two times a year the school does um, what's called FTE to determine how many students attend that school on a full time mm-hmm. basis, and right. they, that that number that they get from FTE is used to determine how many teachers that that school should have. Well, if if in October the school has you know the number you know the number of students needed for you know fifty teachers. But then in um, November or in December, a lot of the students leave and 
So by the time they are doing FTE in um, April, it's decided, oh, well, you know, they don't really need 50. They only needed 40 teachers. So right. they get the other 10. They have to get rid of the other 10 teachers. Right. Now they have to shift students around and move them around to different classes to get them covered. So they're going to start the next year with 40 teachers. But if another, you know, more teachers, more students decide to come back to that school, they're going to start the school with fewer teachers than they need. We're not taking those kind of things into consideration. And you raise another good point. (laughs) What if the kid leaves at mid-year? Does he take $4,000? Right. I mean, it's so, it, it sounds, it sounds so good. You know, you say, well, this is going to give us choice. It gives parents a choice. Does it really? Yeah. Are, are parents really going to have a choice? Because we have choice schools now, but not all parents can choose because there are no places in those schools. Right. So w- the argument is it can give you have this money and you you have this voucher and you have a choice. Do you really have a choice? Second, they say, well, it will improve outcomes. Uh, how? how? How is this going to improve outcomes? Not all kids are going to be able to go to the schools to go to these high achieving schools, these A schools. So yes, if you're fortunate enough to have a voucher and get into an A school, your child's outcomes may improve, but the outcomes of the county are not going to improve. Uh, Education, which is supposed to be available for all, is going to be available for some. And so that's the other question. For whom will the outcomes improve? Yes, some individual students like students who were fortunate enough to get into a magnet school today. Yeah, that child's outcomes have improved, but have we improved the system? No, we're not improving the system. We're improving it for some students. Um, we yeah. could go on and on about that, but the numbers, I think we have to ask some serious questions about the the, the amount of money we're talking about, what if everybody uses it, and where are these kids, where are these vouchers going to be spent? Where where are these schools that they're going to go to? Yeah, because I think the, the last point that the point that we should sort of leave you guys listeners with um for this this podcast is um the 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 numbers that we've talked about, the the it was 24.3 uh, right. billion that's allocated for the schools, uh, K-12 schools this year. And and if you do the numbers, there's about three million students K-12 in public schools. And it, that 8,000 roughly comes out to about that amount. So it covers that. There are another almost half million students who are in private schools and or homeschooled that aren't included in those numbers. And those half million students are also eligible for $8,000 vouchers. That's right. Aren't even considered in this in this current calculation. Where's that money going to come from? Because... Right. The, you know, if my kids go to a private school and I say, oh, well, I want to take advantage of this $8,000 voucher to, to cut my tuition by $8,000, mm-hmm. they don't have $8,142 that's going to any particular public school because they don't attend a public school. That's right. There's there. So where's that money coming from? That's right. There's no there's no school to take the money from. Right. Not enrolled in a public school currently. So you have half a million students times 8,000, right? Uh, where does that money come? Because you can't take it out of a school, right? Where does it come from? Yeah. So and that doesn't even address the separation of church and state. It's a constitutional issue here is can public money be spent for private school tuition if it's a religious school? Right. 
So, so there's so many things and, and it feels as though, I, I mean, we are pretty plugged in when it comes to monitoring these kinds of things that have, that again, will have a very direct effect on students and parents and families. And this kind of jumped out and, um, you know, there was some chattering about a voucher system and there, but there's, right. to be honest, there's been a chattering about voucher system for years now. But all of a sudden, this is this it's is here. <laughs> yeah, it's here, and I, I just I mean the, the numbers are, are um, chilling, right? Um, frightening, and I think I think we need to ask some very very hard questions. I mean this this it may be moot. It may be something we can't even talk about because it's already it's already been set in motion. Um, but I think we we still have some very very hard questions mm-hmm. to ask. Um, because to challenge these assumptions that vouchers are going to make things better. I think that's that's the issue is, is are they really going to make things better and for whom and how? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, that's it for this week. We, we will be back and we will talk more about this right. week um, because um, as you can tell, yes. we're, we're a little bit uh, fired up about this. So enormous implications for, for everybody. I mean, around that's the state. So. Definitely. All right. So that's it for this week. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.